friends, and welcome to the midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. It is the morning after the night before. I'm going to call this one the interview because, my friends, I'm sure you tuning in, there's only one thing you're interested in. That's what happened post-game, and we are going to get to that. We're going to play the interview in full, Mr. Lambert, uh, conversations with Brenner and our very own Stuart Watson. Uh, but first of all, we're going to talk about the game briefly uh, and then get into the juicy stuff. So my name is ever is Mark Heath. I am your host. And with me, having murdered a deer in the early hours this morning on the A12, Andy Warren, you are deer murderer. It's not funny. I know it's not funny. It's, it sounds like you're making light of it. It was horrible. <laughs> it was so a- just to... Just describe, you were driving home, obviously it was early morning, early early morning on the A12, and a deer had the temerity to step into your path. It's just standing there. What? I don't know what, he's lost his head. <laughs> he's just, oh, he's, he's, he's had a heads gone moment. He stood in the near side lane of, of the A12, and actually he did, he, he did lose his head com- yeah. com- completely. Um yeah, there's a currently are uh, the shadowy archant figures are, are not going to be happy with me because currently parked outside my house is a uh, the work pool car, uh, son's bumper. So uh, yeah, just capped off a a good night with um with an incident. Was it a uh, was it definitely a straight red card challenge? Uh, oh we, yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was over the ball. Um, <laughs> It was, it was dangerous. Um, it was a even fun. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a doubt for the weekend. <laughs> both the car, both the car and the poor, the poor, poor little deer, and possibly me as well because yeah. it's not great. It's not great. Well, this this podcast is dedicated to the memory of Bambi. <laughs> oh I, dear! For, for all the animal lovers out there, I should point out that Andy was ashen faced and it did shake him up quite badly at the time so we're not making we should, we're not making light of this it wasn't it wasn't very pleasant at all because it happened at high speed and uh, a significant part of the front of the car is now missing i don't think uh, that car will be taking us to plymouth on saturday but um can i can i also just make it clear though there was nothing i could do can yeah. I just say? Can it I just say that publicly? It, was, it wasn't a deliberate murder. It was uh, more, no. of a man, more of a manslaughter vibe. No, it was like the Andre Dazelle challenge at, at Sunderland. He it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't dangerous, but you could see why. You could, in my opinion, you could see why it might have been deemed a bad challenge. <laughs> but it. But it was. It was not intentional. Okay. Well, venison for tea for you tonight, Hutchie. Um, your partner in crime, who's also sleep deprived and a little bit giggly, having gone. 10 rounds with Paul Lambert last night. Stuart Watson, how are you, mate? Oh, yeah, good, thank you. We are, of course, going to get on to your little tete-a-tete with Mr Lambert in, in short order. But first of all, I guess we'd better talk about the game. Not that there's much to say about the game. Ipswich Town drew nil nil at Oxford, an Oxford side that hadn't kept a clean sheet in about, in about 14 years. Um, it was a point, though, uh, a point with young players. Um, stop the rot, at least. So, boys, how, how do you reflect on it? This morning, um, let's start with you, Hachi. I think what you've just said there about the about the clean sheet thing um, sums up everything that's going on with the Ipswich Ipswich team at the moment. It was an Oxford team that haven't kept a, a clean sheet all season. We, I think it's six in all competitions they've kept in twenty twenty as a whole, and 
and three of those are against Ipswich Town. So all that all that coming together um, was a pretty good summation of where Ipswich are at. They didn't have a shot on target until the 90th minute, and that was a, a loopy, a loopy Ollie Hawkins header. Um, didn't really look like scoring, and Oxford were the the more dangerous probably of, of two teams happy to take the ball, but not overly willing to take the risk needed to win it. I thought, mm. and um, yeah, uh, three games without a goal now for Ipswich and, and that didn't, that didn't look like changing last night. And you know, Mark, you, you do have to score a goal generally to win football matches. And that's just not happening at the moment. What is a famous Kevin Keegan quote? If we score more goals than them, we'll win. Um, Stewie, you described it on Twitter as a dire game. Um, obviously, after the after the after the game, Paul Lambert disagreed with the effort from the from the players and such. But um, what, what was your summation of of last night? I imagine if anyone had, had paid out their ten pounds to watch that game, that it it wouldn't necessarily necessarily have gripped your attention. I found my mind wandering during during the game. Andy's Andy's right. It was two teams that are both. Obviously, like to try and play the possession game, but with without any confidence that it lacked quality in the final third at both ends. Um, Ipswich's first shot on target didn't arrive till the 90th minute, and that was a fairly routine header that went straight at the goalkeeper from Ollie Hawkins. Before that, there were you can count on one hand the, the amount of chances that Ipswich had, and they were half chances at best. It was another game where you felt that they could have um, played for several more hours, probably, and, and, and not been able to score. Um, and uh, Andy mentioned that stat at the start about Oxford clean sheets this calendar year. It's actually only five league clean sheets this calendar year, and three of them have been against Ipswich. And I think that's that stat alone is is a reasonable summary of things. Hmm. Um, is it fair to say, I mean, obviously, uh, Mr Lambert, as we'll, we'll hear shortly, went on to accuse us of being too negative and absolute nonsense criticism and stuff. Is there any argument that this was a a, a decent point? It was a draw to stop the rot. It was a, a way against a team that, all right, they struggled in this season, but were decent last season. Is there any merit in that at all? I think in isolation, maybe in complete isolation, if you look at, if you look at, the absences and the team available you, you could make that argument if you were feeling feeling generous um i don't i don't know in ipswich's situation i don't know if you're ever going to feel like a, a draw a nil nil toothless draw away at a team who are in the bottom the bottom reaches of the league however well they did last season i don't think you're ever going to view that as a positive especially given that all of the deficient, all of the deficiencies of that Ipswich team last night were the same ones that have have been the issue going forward. That no, there weren't. I wouldn't say there were necessarily any of the problems that were solved um, in this in this game. So, if you want to, you know, if you're feeling generous and and you want to be a bit, if you want to be a bit more positive, which we could all do, team maybe in in general could say that. But for me, it was just a continuation of. Just a continuation of the of the same, to be honest. Hmm. Hmm. Stu, was there anyone who stood out for you last night at all? They looked more threatening when Hawkins and Jackson both came on and um, switched to the four four two system that that Paul says they're they're useless at. They actually looked more of a threat. Certainly, Hawkins won a lot of flick ons when he came on. Um. 
the clean sheet is obviously a positive. I thought Wolfenden was was a lot better after a, a couple of rocky games. Um, Cornell made some decent saves, although the kicking was a was certainly a little bit hit and miss. But you know he's made some decent saves. Um, I think the more I thought about it, I, the fullbacks not getting forwards, I don't think has helped. I'm trying to sort of pin. Obviously, the injuries are are big at the moment, but in terms of what they were doing earlier in the season than what been doing of late, and I think Chambers and Ward aren't joining the attack in the way that they were in the early stages of the season. I don't know if that's just the fact that they're both 35 years of age and, you know, we're getting deeper into the season and, and they're not able to do that. But there was that. I thought Drynan and Dobra both played with a bit of heart and a bit of energy tried to close people down and make things happen, but Drynan ultimately ended up looking horribly isolated up front. Dobra got a bit of close attention from the opposition in the same way that Bishop has, took quite a few kicks and, and that put him out of the game. Um, beyond that, not, not a huge amount, really. The midfield was, was pretty quiet. Nolan, who's been rushed back from injury, was, was pretty rusty. Jack Lancaster was, wasn't able really to stamp any authority on the game. Keenan Bennett's continuation of what we've been saying about him. There's lots of trickery and intent, but the, the final ball is, is quite often lacking. Um, just didn't really happen for them, did it, Andy? No, no. Uh, as I said, uh, I just think it was, it was just a continuation of themes. Um, they don't look like scoring goals. And and th on this occasion, it was against a team who who have made a habit of conceding them. I think there are only two teams in the league that have conceded more goals than Oxford this year. And they need, they need to start threatening in front of goal because that, that, that's, that's where they, that's where they're going wrong. That's, that, that's where they've gone wrong for a lot of, a lot of Paul Lambert's reign. We've, we've talked about extra pressure being put on defenses that, which then buckle because, because they're under so much pressure to keep clean sheets for Ipswich to get anything out of games because they're only capable of scoring once in a game. And, it's worse than that at the minute. It, it, you know, it's, it doesn't. It doesn't inspire me at all. Really, it's hard. It was hard to see where a goal was going to come from last last night. Until, until, like you say, Hawkins and Jackson got on. Where at least Hawkins won a couple of a uh, couple of little flick-ons, didn't he? And had one one floater and and, and an odd Andre Dazel corner that defied physics to hit the bar. Um, don't really know how that happened with a left-footed corner like that that just drifted over and hit the bar. But they don't look like scoring goals. Right then, boys, I suggest we move on. We draw a line under that game, a fairly forgettable, very forgettable nil-nil draw at Oxford. Um, so that was the starter. We get on to the main event now, the main course, which is what everyone's eager to get their teeth into. Mr Lambert, after the game, something you do after every game, Stewie, you go down and, and, and speak to Paul. Uh, but last night will be memorable for, for many reasons. Um, the way we're going to do this is we're going to play the interview in full. So you'll start by hearing Brenner of, of BBC Radio Suffolk, obviously, who always goes first, um, speaking to Paul. And then after that, after he's got his, his hackles up, Stuart Watson steps in. Um, and so we'll play everything in full. Nothing has been edited out. This is everything that happened. Um, so you can make your own mind up. Uh, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about what was said and, and the dynamics of it all. But here you go. Let's play the interview. Well, again, a few chances for either side. What did you make of overall tonight, your team's performance? Really pleased, man, because of what's happened. We've took absolute nonsense criticism. And uh, 
So for them it be the way they were with half a team of kids. We've got nine injuries right out of it. Really pleased and proud of them how they perform because they're the criticism they guys have took I think's been no right and it's gonna it's gonna make or break them and a lot of young kids there. And if they don't handle that, the club's gonna use lose good players. Think it's bothered them then, the criticism? No, you should obviously stoke it. So I don't need what you write or what you say. You should obviously stoke it. But I know for, for, for their side that they're, they're, they feel it without a doubt. And and I'm pretty sure they've got to watch their young kids. Really young kids who, who have got you through a really hard time playing football. It's no easy. The expectation level at the club's huge. It's no right. It's no right. A lot of negativity attached to the football club. A lot, a hell of a lot negativity attached to the club and it's no right. Do you not think it's fair that the negativity, which does come from fans, it's not necessarily being stoked by the media? I'm not saying it's happening with never, I'm just saying there's a lot of negativity attached to it. With those two games, we're sitting fourth for first place, four, four points for first place. It's no bad. And the team that's nine guys are injured. But you're telling me we're sitting fourth or four points? Yeah, if I want to start with one or two games. There's a hell of a long way to go. Hell of a long way to go. So I'll put that in record. No blame. You just ask me a question, I'm giving you the answer. It's unfair and you've got to watch you don't break their kids. Concerned about your team's lack of goal for us at the moment. Listen, everything you say to me is negative. I say, I'm taking being married to you. I'm no, that's not the case. That's that's honestly, honestly, that's 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 I'm going to give you an answer. Yeah, but that's what I've got. That's exactly what I've got. The game is everything. As long as you give me effort, then I'm totally fine with it. Totally fine with it. We're up against Brick Wars with the, with the guys that have been injured. Times we've lost guys for forward areas, lost the whole midfield, lost centre backs, we've lost every position gone and we've got nine guys out of the map. So I'm not going to sit here and criticise the guys one iota. I'm the manager and I'm proud of them. Nice to have John Nolan back into the midfield this evening. At least one player's come back from injury, I guess. Maybe he shouldn't have played. Maybe he shouldn't have played because he's, he's not done anything for, for since the rugby game. But I had to play him because we don't have Brett McGavin took out during the night. We had to play him. And that's what this is happening. What do you make of Armando's full league debut tonight? You put him in the team? I thought he'd done really, really good. Young kid, again, will make mistakes like what he is. Really good. What you do get with Dobbs is a great endeavour. You've got a development there which I think is going to stand in good stead. And hopefully he'll be another another good player in the club in the, in the, in the coming weeks, months, years, hopefully. Yes, we're pleased with a clean sheet as well. I, I am, but I can't ask any more for them. We, we, we have half the guys are, are academy guys, are young guys. Are two centre backs are 19, or Rofi's 20 21, McGuinness is 19, Lancaster's a kid, Brazil's a kid, Dobbs a kid, Gibbs is on the bench. We have got so, so lack in depth with injuries we've got. But really proud of how they play. Well, it's good for the lads at the back. Confidence for Di Cornell to get a debut relatively soon into his league career, and likewise for Mark McGuinness, players like that, that will lift those boys. Well, McGuinness, I have a problem with because I think he's he's really good and could be could be excellent, really good, strong, aggressive, 19, really, really good. And Cornell, I thought was really good. He'd won save here in the second half, and um, yeah, happy with him. And you mix things up when you brought on Caden and Ollie, and Ollie won a few flick-ons, and there was a potential breakthrough a couple of times. Yeah, Ollie gives us something different from from what I thought I'm done and Jack done really well for the first ever. And put Caden on, he looked lively. Well, they looked lively as well. So, um, but no, I'm happy how we 
how we played, we, we came out of a difficult place. It's difficult. difficult. Was that Andre out of Saturday, is it? Was that his fifth yellow this evening? I think that's the last thing you need in midfield. Yeah, I mean, that's the way things are going, but the point is it, it stops that two defeats thing. It gives us that, that point. We've got a long journey on, on, uh, on Friday. When we go in, we go in time one. Any chance of Emir coming back for the weekend? What's the latest on him? I don't know. I, I don't know. We have too, too many. They're all everyone. I'm not sure who'll come back. We have to wait and see when we go back. It's an unbelievable situation, isn't it, to have to deal with at the minute? Yeah, and we're still sitting four. Oh, it's four points on top. So, yeah. Has the criticism bothered you? Did you see what happened to Celtic the other day? Did you see what happened to yeah, Celtic? Yeah, I saw the protests outside uh, Parkhead. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I played in front of it. I know exactly what it's like. Does it bother me? No. Does praise bother me? No. Brilliant. I've played with big clubs, man. I've been manager of big clubs. I've had a career where the pressure, the pressure's incredible, absolutely incredible. I've never walked once, so I don't expect to walk again. Unless Marcus says something different, there's no problem. Marcus is here tonight, Paul. Did he was he in the dressing room afterwards just now? No, 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 no. He wasn't in the dressing room. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't in the dressing room. No, he's he's pleased. He's a good chap. No problem. No. Um, no, no stress now. He was, he was happy. Yeah, he's a young side tonight. As you say, seven of that ten outfield players, I think, between 19 and 22 years old. So th there is a caveat with the injuries and everything. But we don't have anything else. We, yeah. we have to play the guys. We we, we have to. And, and you play against a really experienced team. It was a good team. They're a good team. I think they, they were in the playoff last year. Cavs are a good team. So. The point is, the point is, is, is good. Mm. On the flip side of it, I don't think the first shot on target came till the last minute of the game. That Ox, that's an Oxford side that hadn't kept a league clean sheet, I think, in 18 games before mm. today. So, it, is that fair to say that your team didn't didn't create enough chances? There yeah, but we're, 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 we're doing everything we can. The big thing for us was not to lose. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was definitely not to lose. We we gave we gave having that little bit of quality, maybe just lacking it at the minute. But for the endeavour and the work rate mm. and everything else that goes with it, really pleased. Mm. Uh, you must understand some of the criticism because I think it's now 41 games in the league where you've lost more than you've won in, in League One. Is That's not a good stat, is it? But you, but you, you, but you're, you're, you're the one of the guys, or guys that the players have got a great way because the negativity you write is incredible. I don't need your stuff. Mm -hmm. So you're probably better hearing it for them, but they're, they're, they're certainly more happy. And, and I get it because the negativity attached is incredible. They're, they're, they're a big club, some of them are young, some of them have came from different teams. It's a massive club, mm. that's what it's down. But the negativity attached to it is, is huge. It's huge to it. And, and that's just my opinion on it. But there are a lot of young guys in there as well who, who have to perform. But the negativity attached to the club is... You, you've just said that we're, perhaps it's unfair on the young players. I, you know, in a press and conference... The the other and the older guys. Okay. And the older guys. Because the other week I sort of asked you about, you know, the um, you've been critical more of the younger players than the no, older wasn't. ones. No, it wasn't. Because I'll tell you what, I'll tell you right now, you want to go and record it. The photo thing that you wrote, or one of your colleagues wrote, that they weren't even introduced for the photo, was a lot of nonsense. Because if kids get told, and Stroke Taylor actually told you what actually happened, the kids, we couldn't get them in because it's NHS stuff, we couldn't get them in. But you just go and write a negative thing about them, and it goes filters right through. How does that work? How does that work? Okay. Tell me how it works. Well, they weren't in the squad photo, wasn't it? And I've had that chat with, with Stuart. Exactly, and you still go ahead and meet it. 
but they weren't in the squad photo, were they? That was yeah, because you couldn't. Because okay. NHS, unless I'm wrong, only three words. Okay. Or three letters. Is it, am I right or wrong? Okay. Well, yeah. We don't need to get into the ins and outs of whether players could have been squeezed but into you, a get, But letters. you go right negativity. It goes right through the right through the club. I'll tell you what I will do. I'll stick up for them. I'll stick up for every player in the dressing room, every guy in the dressing room. But I'll put you in your place because what you're writing is garbage. Okay. I'm telling you, he's, he's, a creating, he's a creating something that's incredible. Well, we're people that have covered this club for more than a decade. Right. And there's been, you know, that you, you were aware when you first came in on day one, we talked, we chatted about why was there that apathy, why was there that anger around the club. Right. You saw it when you watched the games and you said it was flat as a pancake you know when there, you came there, in There was no anger. There was no anger. Because people had switched off. People had switched off for supporting the club. I spoke to all the guys, all the... All the Good blatching guys, no, I spoke to all them. Told me I was an apathy here, no, no one, no one. I spoke to them all. What are you, what are do you think we're feeding it, Paul, or do you think we're reflecting it, the mood? I think you're feeding it. That's my opinion. And you can have a go at me all you want. I told you. Have a go at me all you want. But I, I know I've been in the game a long time, and it's no helping you guys. It's no helping. Okay. Alright, fine. Alright. Thanks, Paul. Good. Right then, boys. Well, that um, escalated quickly, to use a term from Anchorman. Um, no one got killed with the trident, but it was close. Um, Stewie, you were the you were the man asking the questions at the end there. G- give us your your first kind of thoughts of it, and, and kind of set the scene as well. Because although obviously we just heard what happened, how how was the interview? Where was it conducted? How close are you to Paul? What was the body language like? G- g- give us the background. Interviews are all sort of pitch side at the moment because press press rooms are kind of out of bounds in in the covid world um so just kind of separated by the little boundary the advertising boards around around the edge of the pitch um socially distanced of course it's always slightly strange that we're all wearing masks and none of the management and players are despite the fact that they're they're, they're not tested um but i digress um as we had, we had to kind of walk through the bowels of the stadium to get down from our seats to, to that pitch side bit. I kind of crossed paths with Marcus Evans, who appeared to be heading down the corridor towards the dressing room area at, at that stage of the game, flanked by Leo Neal um, and Stuart Hayton, the club secretary. Um, and Paul, straight off the bat, as you could hear from that, was kind of clearly had that in mind about the sort of the negativity and the criticism that he wanted to get off his chest because it's the first answer to the to the first question to to Brenner Woolley really um and yeah you kind of you heard how it went I don't I don't really know what to say about it really um it's, it's for others to kind of make their mind up on it really um I don't want this to become a kind of a tit for tat and I don't want people to think this is kind of in any way us taking pleasure from this or there's always a a misconception that we as journalists revel in this kind of these sort of situations and we're we're sharpening the knives and can't wait to put the boot in and it's going to create a load of drama and couldn't be further from the truth I I hope that regular listeners to this podcast will, will have heard how much it's kind of frustrating Andy and I and all the media that cover this club and have done for a while, how this kind of grinds you down and they're not enjoyable. Those, those, um, those situations, it's not, they're not easy when they, when they become sort of semi 
semi-confrontational like that. But, you, you know, we've got a job to do and our job, especially now more than ever, when when fans can't be at grounds, is, is to try and hopefully ask the questions that, that people want answering. And um, I hope that we've been able to do that in the last last week or so. Mm. I think it's important to stress. I mean, as you say, they don't want it to become a kind of us and them. And it, it's important, I think, to, to recognise the, the strange dynamic that um, footballers and, and managers are faced with in terms of people kind of critiquing their work uh, and giving marks out of 10. I mean, if I had someone marking my daily work, that would be that would be quite annoying. You know, Heath went to a lot of meetings, sent some emails, four out of 10. Um, I, I, would, I would find that quite irritating. So it is, a, it is a strange dynamic. But for me, the concern really was what Lambert said um, and obviously the contradictions and some of the stuff that you said, Hutchie, accusing us basically of creating the negativity. What, what did you make to the interview? I think he's getting quite confused, isn't he? He's um, for all the the talk of PR, Paul, and 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 with with great credit, he did, at the very start of his reign, he did a good job of he did a, he did do a good job of, of bringing people back to the football club and giving people something to get excited about and and try and enjoy, but. That's kind of gone full circle on its head now, isn't it? And the the PR Paul isn't isn't doing particularly good PR at the moment. I wouldn't think. I think I think it's the sign of of somebody who's who's feeling some pressure. He said there that he's not he doesn't expect to wilt. He's never wilted before, but I think it, I think it's fair to say that that's the sign of of somebody feeling feeling some pressure and. It, in many ways, it's 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 sad because it's it's sad to see that it it's descending into into that and the, the fact that it's kind of straight off the bat, like there's literally no kind of normal normal conversation at the start of that interview that he's he's come out with that in his mind, which means it's been in there for during the game. Um, and during the build-up to the game, yeah, it it's just it's just worrying, sad, bizarre. There's all sorts of words you can you can use to describe it, but but none of them are none of them are very positive. He's taking the uh, the Malcolm Tucker approach to PR now, isn't he? The uh, yeah, extremely aggressive, shouty Scotsman approach. Um, Stu, there's there's one one thing that I just wanted to to run past you. You put the question to him. You must am- understand some of the criticism. That's now 41 games in the league where you've lost more than you've won in League One. That's not a good stat, is it, Paul? And he comes back with, you're one of the guys that the guys have got a gripe with because the negativity you write is incredible. I don't read your stuff. You're probably better hearing it from them. They're certainly not happy with you, and I get it because the negativity is incredible. Um, (laughs) The implication that we're somehow kind of creating the negativity, um, you did ask him, of course, as well, about whether we're feeding the negativity or reflecting it, and he said, that we're feeding it. Just what what are your thoughts on that as a, as a kind of issue? It's something I've always wrestled with, definitely. And the the way the the media and the way we operate has changed massively in recent years, and there's reasons for that. Um, there's been a lot of talk about obviously Phil Ham from TWTD being being banned, but the the presence of media rival out, outlets like that has kind of forced us to go down the the more heavy analysis and comment and verdict. And it does feel a bit relentless at times. And I can imagine being on the other side of it, as you've said earlier, that could be quite draining when somebody's 
picking you, your words and your actions to pieces day in, day out. But that's our only USP now. Sometimes I feel like we do quite a lot of it. You know, it's column after column and comment piece after comment piece. But without that, unfortunately, if we just did, here's a match report, here's an interview, that doesn't set us aside from, from anybody else. So there's, there is sympathy there, as you've just said, but we do also have a duty to kind of hold, hold people to a, to account or be that kind of critical friend is a phrase that often gets heard that, you know, we want the best for this club. This is the heart of the community that we, we try and serve. And I hope, you know, a lot of thought goes into our tone about what we say, when we say it, how we say it. Um, try and be sort of fair, objective, honest. They're, they're all the things that are in our mind. Andy and I talk through a lot of the stuff that gets written in a lot of detail. We all do. We have conversations, you know, between the three of us with with the newspaper editor, Brad Jones, heavily involved as well. So I don't know if they appreciate how much kind of thought goes into to all of it but I don't know at the moment Paul's not really got any gauge of what what the fans are thinking has he bar a sort of a, a banner being stuck up on the gates and things like that without people in the in the ground I think it's probably hard for him to kind of judge what what the general mood is surrounding him and him and the club and you'll, you'll never be able to speak on behalf of all the fans of course you can't because everybody's got different opinions but you get a reasonable idea of the way it's going and I, I like to think that we're reflecting it more than the driving it and setting the agenda but mm. I don't know if everyone will agree with that mm. I think it's important as well in terms of a peek behind the curtain sort of thing and I know Stu you don't want to be praised but when you're in that situation as, as a journalist and you're you're interviewing someone who's becoming aggressive towards you um i mean we've all been journalists a long time actually i know you've, you've had th um threats to someone cutting your throat i've had someone threaten to break my legs previously in a news job um it's a difficult situation to be in uh, and Stu, i thought you did really well to kind of handle it and and you know play it rationally and continue to ask what i thought was solid questions i thought i thought you did really well there because that's not easy is it at all Hutchie? No, no, it isn't because in that situation, the the kind of when I when I've been on the other side of that, which I'll be honest, actually hasn't been at Ipswich all that much at other clubs that I've covered. It's always bit. It's always the anger and the the finger jabbing always always comes from the football side. It's never it's never really the journalist that starts that, and it's really hard to kind of keep your cool when someone. When someone's right up in your in your face like like that, like people have been to me in the past, I've had people come up to me with printouts of my work and certain bits highlighted and wanting like exact um, explanations of exactly what that word means, who told you that, that kind of thing. It is it is hard to keep your cool, but you really do have to. Otherwise, things can descend into really quite ugly ugly scenes and like you need you need to keep professional and it is it's really difficult because it's natural to try and defend your side of things but at the same time you also need to stay calm and like Stu was doing an interview last night that can't suddenly become a sh shouting and a slagging match and what without mm. trying to boost uh my man's ego too much what to, to carry on there and actually continue to conduct 
an in like a pretty calm interview and i'm sure everyone will agree that the stew side of that was very calm that, that's that's really hard to do and it but it's also really important that you do do that because because otherwise otherwise you've lost your integrity there and um mm. that's that's really important to maintain yeah i mean as i say those interviews for anyone who's never done that in that kind of environment they are very very difficult and as you say i, th- I thought you handled it very well but boys let's stop um blowing smoke up stewie's ass let's let's talk about what is that that was my sky plus just started playing randomly it doesn't pause for very long ah um i was going to say let's talk about what we can take away from from lambert last night obviously we know there were contradictions in there there were accusations but what can we deduce from uh, from the the interview at the situation as a whole he says he doesn't feel pressure um he's been he's played at big clubs he's, he's barely mentions that um but it, are these the actions of a man who knows he's close to the end perhaps it's not the vibe i'm getting from from behind the scenes at the moment i think it's hard because we don't get anywhere near to marcus evans but you get bits kind of fed back up the line and um from what we're being told, that Marcus is putting a, a great deal of stock in the in the injuries that are going against him at the moment. Um, he had a big say in the summer in terms of the style of football and the way they're playing. So a lot of this, the way they're playing, has come from him. So I'm sure that that will get taken into account. Um, we've talked, to, we've we've speculated about what clauses there might be in in Paul's contract. That not for one minute will they be paying him up the remainder of what will be what four four years of a five-year contract but it will be a hefty percentage of that and he's one of the highest paid managers in this division if not the highest so that's a fair old chunk of money at a time where covid has has hit marcus financially both on the football side and his and his wider business so there are a lot of things to take into to account for marcus evans um in terms of the interview itself and trying to sort of take a step back and look at it objectively, a, a, a lot of people have made the comparison that it was almost Donald Trump-esque in terms of kind of the denial of, of things that are going on at the moment, you know, in terms of this sort of continual insistence that everything is is incredible and they're playing really well. And you wonder if he says it so many times, he starts to believe it a little bit and, you know, verging now on the sort of fake news and, hitting mm. out at stuff like that. It, it, he doesn't seem to see the contradictions that, he, that he's saying in one breath. You know, literally only a few days ago, he was telling Brenna Woolley, you know, Brett McGavin's obviously a favourite of yours, the way you wax lyrical about him and was kind of saying that we're we're going over the top with our praise of young players. And then, you know, a few days later, he's saying that we're piling, piling too much pressure on the, these youngsters and kind of ignores the fact that we've, We've had a conversation literally on the Friday about how he has been quite happy to to criticise a whole load of young players from the squad photo incident forward, which goodness knows why that suddenly got brought up again last night. Um, but hasn't done the same with the senior players. Just, just to, I don't know, if you put it all in black and white, the, the amount of stark contradictions that he's coming out with it is worrying because I think if that's what he's saying publicly then it must be a confusing message that's kind of being given behind the scenes as well 
Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the quotes as well that, that stood out uh, was, I'll, I'll tell you what I will do. I'll stick up for them, referring to the players. I'll stick up for every guy in the dressing room and I'll put you in your place. But that's clearly, you know, obviously not what he has been doing. He has been criticising players. So, uh, interesting. Hutch, are you looking forward to speaking to Paul on, on Friday morning? Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. I don't know... Don't know how much of the uh, how much of the the clear anger from his side will will still be in his pumping around pumping around the body at at, at half past eight in the morning on on Friday ahead of he's got a five hour he's got a five hour coach journey to do to do on Friday as well so uh, I'm sure he'll be looking forward to that who knows who knows what what mood. I what think he'll have calmed down. In. I've seen this with managers before that the the emotions after a game. Are, are, and never the same, you know. Come a few days later, come the pre-match press conference. I'm sure all of that will have was will have subsided. It's not. It's not the emotion, and it's not take all strip all of that away from it. It's just the content of what's being said at the moment, which which is a concern to me. You know, it's it's an occupational hazard. We are the ones that are in the first in line minutes after a final whistle. Um, it happens. You don't take it personally. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's a fool's errand trying to kind of pick pick through these words of fools at the moment and trying to analyse them in in any meaningful way. I think. Um, we should talk, of course, before we go, boys. Unless you've got anything else to add about the interview about Plymouth this weekend, another road trip. Um, have you got? Have you, first of all, have you got anything else just to add about the interview, boys? Either of you, your thoughts? No, you're both shaking your head. Right then, Plymouth, Hutchie, another opportunity for you to nail an animal on the road. <laughs> how, how are you feeling about Plymouth? Um, I'm led to believe it's a long way away. It's a long time since I've been to Plymouth, but um, I feel exactly the same about this game as I did about the Oxford game. I think um, I think win, lose, and draw are all on the table for Ipswich, but they need to have a bit bigger goal threat if they're going to do anything of any note in it. Um, but it's also notable that they'll, they'll be playing in front of some supporters this weekend. 2,000, 2000 Plymouth fans, I believe, are going to be back at Home Park, which is going to change the dynamic a little bit. Obviously, no Ipswich fans at this game, which um, would have been interesting to see, to get a first look at of what kind of reception and support Lambert and his team get we'll get that at the Portsmouth game, but that's going to be that's going to be interesting in itself. But the game itself, uh, same deficiencies were there against Oxford. They need to put them right if they're going to if they're going to get anything more uh, against against the Plymouth team. Who I think they lost. Did they lose four nil to Rochdale last night? Stu, is that who they, they lost did. to? Yeah, yeah. There was a stage where Plymouth were looking like they were they were a charger, kind of charging up towards. The playoff places under Ryan Lowe, but they've they've slipped back a little bit. So um, stage the stage is set for a Frank Nuble winner as well. <laughs> yeah, as you say, they lost four at home last night to, to Rochdale, thirteenth in the table currently, Plymouth. So again, without wanting to risk setting Lambert off, th- this is a game that Ipswich Town should be winning. Stewie, is it not? Um, I don't know anymore. <laughs> to be honest, when you when. Is it a game they should be winning? When the when the front three at the moment is Keenan Bennett, Aaron Drynan and Armando Dobra, I think they had something like seven league starts between them, senior league starts, zero, zero league goals, and that's your front three. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not start taking shots at Drizzy. He's been out injured. He's doing his best. I like him. I think that I've said before, I think they look a more joined up side when he's playing. Certainly, I think he's more suited to that 4-3-3 role. But there are major caveats surrounding all of this in terms of the players that are out. Big first-team players. It just feels like everything's kind of conspiring against Ipswich at the moment. And it's hard to see them making that long journey down there at the end of a busy week. Players are mentally drained. Players are physically drained. As, as Andy says, Frank Newball has just has been in the back of my mind around this fixture for for a few few weeks now. That would to me that would kind of sum up what is now starting to feel like. I believe the kids call it the banter era when uh, <laughs> when things everything seems to go against you. I mean, a man who bless him ran his socks off for Ipswich Town, but couldn't trap trap a bag of cement, could he? At Ipswich Town and was kind of became a bit of a a comedy slash cult figure for Ipswich, um, you know. So the, the stage may be set for him. I think Connor Grant plays for them as well, as someone who had a very brief loan spell at Ipswich from from Everton. Um, Danny Mayer? Yeah, who was in the building or certainly at Ipswich and came very close to signing before kind of choosing to, to join them, didn't he, and, and link up with um, his former Berry manager. Um I just can't see what's going to change in terms of what we've seen from the last few performances to Saturday in in lieu of kind of anyone major coming back in into the team. The only thing is if he goes with Hawkins and Jackson as a front two or something and that, you know, that might change the dynamic slightly. I don't know, but it's obviously optimism and positivity is uh, clearly in short supply at the moment. Hmm. You know, you know who else plays for Plymouth? Tammy Abraham's brother. Do you know what his first name is? Abraham. Timmy. Tim, Timmy. Timmy Abraham. Amazing. Timmy. <laughs> Timmy and Timmy and Tammy. Uh, yeah, on the on the players coming back. How, how, any updates? Because obviously Flynn Downs, you would hope, would make a big difference in this side. Is there any news on when Flynn might be back? No, Paul never seems to know. Whenever we ask him, I don't know. I'll have to find out. The, the time frames around these players are becoming more and more vague. Hmm. Um, but essentially, he doesn't envisage anyone being being ready for the, for the weekend. Um, and even if they are, it would probably be players being rushed back through desperation. I think there was an element of that with John Nolan um, last night. You know, 10 days on from limping out of a game with a groin injury, I think that was kind of ahead of schedule, really, because Brett McGavin had been taken ill overnight, apparently. So when you do look through that squad, that is virtually the 18 players that is that is available to, to Paul Lambert now. And Andre Dezel suspended as well. He got yeah. his, his fifth yellow card last night. So hopefully Brett McGavin, uh, Brett McGavin is through whatever illness he's had um, and can, can play. But uh, if not, there's a... There's every chance Liam Gibbs could play again or, or even a change of formation maybe to the 4-4-2 that ended ended last night's game. But yeah, missing Andre again so soon after he's come back, that's going to be another blow in an area where there aren't many blows left to take, really. Oh, boys. Oh, boys. Um, Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, anything else to mention, boys, before we take our leave? No, I no. think we've depressed everyone enough for today, haven't we? 
<laughs> yeah, our twice weekly depression sessions. Uh... Come on, we've had a laugh about running over a deer. What, what do people want? Um, <laughs> oh, dear. All that's left to be said is please do follow us on our social medias. That's Kings of Anger on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Let us know what you made of the interview stuff and this breakdown in this podcast. Um, and leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that helps us greatly in the visibility in the charts. So there you go then. Another one in the books, the interview episode. That will be remembered for a long time. Um, and we're back on the road at Plymouth this weekend. We'll be back next week to break it all down. Hopefully some good news to report. Until then, have a great weekend, and we'll speak to you then. From true crime to football, Brexit to football, more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.